Uh, it's going to be a very hot Friday and the weekend, so please do drink plenty of water and try to avoid the outdoor activities. Ironically, as UN sanctions have tightened in recent years, the economy of North Korea has become more decentralized and productive, written by William Brown, a specialist in East Asian economics, who's also a professor in the Georgetown University. And Professor Brown joins us this morning on the line to tell us more about economic issues in North Korea. Good morning, Professor. Yes, good morning. I'm here in Seoul, actually, today. Oh, you are? Okay, really? Thank you so much for joining this program. And uh, before we go into more specific questions regarding North Korea's economy, since you are in Seoul now, would you say you could sense a different atmosphere or warmer temperature on the Korean Peninsula in terms of inter-Korean relations? Yes, it's it's definitely warmer. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Right. <clears throat> no, I'm thinking it's, it's a very positive environment here now. Um, you know, it's always a little bit odd, though, here in Seoul, uh, North Korea always seems kind of distant, you know, because you can't go there. But um, this time I do think uh, there's a lot more optimism. And um, as I mentioned in the beginning, you argued that UN sanctions have ironically made North Korean economy more productive. Yes. And, um, of course, the Korean foreign minister and the U.S. Secretary of State did say they will have the sanctions remained unless they see a clear progress in the denuclearization. But why would you say the U.N. sanctions have made uh, North Korean economy more productive? You know, the sanctions have, uh, and I think it's changed a little, uh, quite a lot in the last few months because Chinese sanctions have come on very, very heavy uh, just in the last, uh, since last November. So now I expect the economy is having a lot of trouble with that. But up to then, up, you know, for the, the, we've had these sanctions for like 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, during all that period, it's hurt the state's exports. The exports from the from the state economy uh, that has uh, forced the state enterprises to sort of let they don't have anything to do so they let their workers work privately and uh, you know private work is always more productive than state work so it, ironically that the lessening of state work has improved the productivity of the country so North Korean leader Kim Jong-un uh, recently announced that the country will no longer pursue Pyongjin or parallel development policy, of course, with the nuke power, but now just focus on economic development. Yes. So yeah. can you elaborate on that point? I think that's a very, very important uh, speech that Kim gave. I think it was on April 20th, um, where he... Uh, you know, he kind of said, well, we've completed the nuclear part, and uh, so we don't need to do that anymore. So now let's focus entirely, he said, the whole country, the whole party, on economic, uh, so what he calls socialist economic construction. Um, that's our new party line. That's the way he put it. So that's a very important statement. Um, you know, you can believe him or not. Uh, a lot of times we don't believe what he says very much. To me, the important thing, though, is... Uh, after he gave his speech, like it's kind of normal, they have all these group study sessions over the whole country. Everybody studies the speech. And um, reports from Daily NK and from other, other places um, say that the, uh, the Korean people then, as they study this speech, become very optimistic. Um, so expectations of economic development, economic growth, I think are soaring in 
North Korea. We talked about a better environment here in South Korea. I think even more in North Korea, people are getting big expectations of economic growth. That, to me, is the big importance of that of that statement. So, the professor, I just have a quick question. Um, why all of a sudden in so different um, path towards the North Korean policy, or why does Kim focus on um, economic development all of a sudden? Is it because of the, all the sanctions and uh, rhetorics going between the U.S. President Donald Trump and Kim, or do you think there are some other factors uh, added to yeah. that situation? Yeah, I like to sort of list three categories. I'm not sure, well, which are the most important. Um, one is this long-term decline of the state economy. Uh, North Korea's economy is in, in terrible shape, especially the, the, the government side, the state side of the economy. So that's a long-term pro- process that I'm sure Kim realizes is happening and he needs to fix it. But then, the, then you add to that the, uh, all the turmoil last year of the name-calling and the, the pressure from Trump. Um, I think that's put a lot of pressure on the North Korean government, and hopefully it's caused them to th- rethink nuclear weapons, uh, making nuclear weapons more of a target than a weapon that they can use. I think that's part of it. But the, the uh, main thing, I think, this year has been what I just said. The, uh, uh, I think a lot of people don't realize how sharply North China cut North Korean trade. Beginning, uh, it started, uh, you know, with that Xi Jinping um, Trump visit, Trump, Xi Jinping visit to Florida last May. Um, I think the two leaders, those two leaders, got together and said, "We're going to clobber North Korea," and the Chinese really have. They've um, uh, the first four months of this year. Their imports from North Korea are down, get this, they're down 95% to almost nothing. So China uh, is not importing from North Korea, at least officially. They do some, a lot of smuggling. But um, I think that's drying up North Korea's money. So Kim got on the night train, and off he goes to Beijing for the first time ever, and I think probably begs for help from China. So- that got it all started. So speaking of China, uh, as uh, Kim made his third visit to China earlier this week, and there's already a report that says China is allowing some of the North Koreans' airline to fly between yeah. Xi'an and Pyongyang. So do you see that as China showing a reaction of lifting sanctions on North Korea? Yeah, actually, I think China has a good tactic, maybe a better tactic than we do. Uh, our, our sanctions or the UN sanctions tend to be they're hard to maneuver. You know, you put them on and they stay on forever. Um, Chinese like to use sanctions, I think, more like a lever where they play them on and off. Um, they, they did, they've done more than they've needed to, really. Um, by not, I don't think anybody told them to stop importing anything from North Korea. So now they seem to be relaxing that somewhat, uh, which is prob- probably fine, um, as long as they keep up pressure, which I'm sure they are, uh, is pushing uh, Kim in the right direction. Now, it's also been reported that North Korean leader Kim Jong-un wants to emulate Vietnamese model of economic development. What kind of reforms does the country have to go through in order to follow that path? Yeah, I mean, I've seen uh, people talk about different models, which is, you know, it's fine. But 
I think it's much more important. In the Vietnamese model, if you think about it, usually we've talked about the China model. Why don't they follow the China model? And they resist that. Um, so I suspect they say Vietnam model because it's not the China model. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, but the truth is the countries, Vietnam and, and North Korea, are very different, and we're talking about very different times also. Uh, so I'm not sure Vietnam is such a, a good, quote, model. Uh, to me, the very best model of all is uh, right here in South Korea. Um, they should follow what, what the uh, Korean government did in the early 1960s. That's what they need to do. Um, but there's, uh, you know, the socialist command economy system that they have is very hard to change. Uh, it's a legacy system. Nobody else in the world has it anymore. They're the only ones left. And to get rid of that is a very hard hard problem. Um, so I think we need to give them some time uh, to do that, but uh, the pressure needs to be on very hard to make them, to push them to change. And in the report, you've also pointed out that the North Korea's lack of membership in the world's marketing uh, trading system. So can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yes, you know, we're talking about basically the WTO, the World Trade Organization, or what used to be the GATT. This, was, this system was founded uh, right after World War II, 1948, 49, that period, when the world was made up of uh, three, uh, two different blocks. You had the Soviet bloc and the Western bloc. The Western bloc was capitalist, and the Soviet bloc was this command economy Marxist system. The two systems are highly incompatible. You really can't trade normally between them. So the WTO was set up basically to protect the market economies from the socialist economies. Uh, and it's still sort of set up that way. They, so, for example, for the U.S., we have three columns of tariffs. One column for, uh, 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 for, that, um, for what we call MFN, or Most Favored Nation Countries. Any member of the WTO gets that, that rate, which typically is like 2 or 3% very, very low tariffs. Then we have a third column that's for uh, free trade agreements, like with we have with South Korea. But the middle column, the second column, is what we have for non-market economies. And that used to be like a third of the world, Russia, China, a lot of those Eastern Europe countries. Now the funny thing is, you go down that column, there's really only one country left in this whole column, you know, with 220 different countries. There's just one country that matters in it, and that's North Korea. Uh, that's the U.S. South Korea is a little different because you, here they treat South, North Korea as part of Korea. It's very complicated, uh, and it's not really quite true. But um, um, I think most countries put North Korea in this non-market category, and the, this means to me that North Korea has to join the WTO, and it has to do a lot of work to join the WTO, if it's going to become a normal country in the world. Um, and that's one thing I think the U.S. could help it, help push it to do. Well, then, um, in your opinion, uh, let's say North Korea is allowed to be a member of WTO nation. Do you expect North Korea's successful reintegration into the international economy? I think it could. You know, I'm not... There's a lot, a lot of uh, work to be done. This cell, you know, for example, the uh, 
what they call the means of production or capital is still, in theory, owned by, this, by the state. You don't have private property in North Korea, in theory. In reality, there's a lot of private property, but um, the, the, the legal system doesn't protect it. Um, the most ironic, uh, the biggest irony of this system is that um, they can't even use their own money. Um, in a Marxist system, you don't use money. Basically, you use rations to sort everything out. And the plan sort of dictates what you make and where it goes. Um, in a market economy, of course, all of that is done by money and uh, private private interest. So in North Korea now, they have this dual economy. Uh, half of it's market, half of it's this command system. And the two are fighting each other like crazy. It's very, very inefficient. Um, this also means, though, that they've introduced, uh, not by purposefully, but U.S. dollars and RMB have poured into the country because nobody likes to use the North Korean money. So the, the three monies, three different types of money, are used all, all together, all the same. So in your wallet, you have three kinds of money. It's very, very inefficient and uh, dangerous to the regime because the regime uh, can't really uh, have its own monetary policy. So, I mean, there's just a lot of things that need to change in North Korea. One thing people say, you know, we talk a lot about uh, reform and opening, uh, like we did in China. I would point out, though, that um, the important thing for North Korea is not opening. We t um, it's opened in the past. Actually, it's done a lot of trade. It's done a lot of investment with the West, even. Europeans and Japanese have poured investment into North Korea in the past. But the key thing is they need to reform internally first. If they don't reform first, the, the foreign opening is a disaster. It was a disaster before uh, they ended up defaulting on all their borrowings from the West and are, are in very bad credit rating now because of that. And this is like 30 years on. So to me, uh, uh, opening is, not, is premature. The key thing we need to push them to is reform. Then they'll be, once they reform, they can do that pretty quickly then they can open themselves to South Korean or U.S. or, or foreign investment and can, at that point, can grow very, very rapidly, I think. Okay, that was Professor William Brown from Georgetown University. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me.